Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% a real Jesus. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Roger Hodkinson. Roger had a uh, pathology residency in the 70s, uh, part of the University of British Columbia, Vancouver. He has quite a lot of experience. He worked as a general pathologist with special interest in molecular diagnostics and hematopathology. He's a serial entrepreneur, accomplished a variety of startup medical businesses, uh, a lot of experience in both print and electronic media. He's dealt in international medical diagnostic markets such as USA, Poland, Philippines, and of course Canada. Uh, he was previously the CEO of a major retail medical diagnostic testing company called Stirat Laboratories, uh, Northern Alberta. Also previously a pathologist in charge of the hematology laboratory and blood bank of an active community teaching hospital, Misericordia Hospital in Edmonton, Canada. Past member of the Committee on Laboratory Accreditation at the College of Physicians and Surgeons of, Al- of Alberta. He has a couple of patents. He's had a lot of teaching experience. He was a past chairman of the test committee in general pathology, Royal College of Physicians in Canada, uh, Ottawa, Canada. And this committee, you want to make a note, sets the annual pathology board examination for the Royal College. Quite a bit of experience. He's been around a very long time, uh, a.k.a. he knows what he's talking about, and it's not wild speculation. The reason why I have this set up is we're going to talk about COVID today. So that's why I have Dr. Roger Hodkinson here. Roger, thanks for coming. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, what's been your perception of what's been going on throughout COVID? Sure. Well, first of all, the, the call to the city council. Um, you know, I, I live in a little town called Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Um, that's way north of you. <laughs> And um, being somewhat knowledgeable as a specialist in pathology about many of the issues surrounding this um, so-called pandemic, um, I felt that I had to stand up and be heard, at least by my local council. It was never my intention that the the video clip went um, viral internationally. So I, I stayed on the call for the whole day, waiting for five for five my five minutes. And um, I gave my opinion, which um, uh, seems to have struck a chord for many people internationally. And I'm, I'm very pleased that it had such uh, exposure. Yeah, I, you know, in March, I was worried in April, a lot less so. And, and I thought that rationality would prevail. I know and it's probably ridiculous, but I thought, OK, if the numbers go one way or another and if they're actually accurate, then, you know, the lockdown will end. and you know, there'll be plans to do stuff and they'll be studying in the meantime, you know, all about COVID and, you know, do masks work, do, you know, social distancing work, et cetera. But uh, after May, I kind of saw that rationality went out the window and now we're in January and it just seems like it's never going to end. And the, uh, the people that have grabbed power have no intention of relinquishing it. And they're just doing whatever they feel like and, and literally like terrorizing people. But what do you think? Well, um, I can talk about how the whole madness started later, but in terms of the situation that we're in today, um, it's being um, amplified 
by two principal drivers. One is the ridiculous, um, I'm speaking as a pathologist now, somewhat knowledgeable of PCR, the method that's used for testing. Mm. The two drivers principally are the, the testing of the asymptomatic population with a massive number of false positive results that get translated into the, in the morning paper into a rising graph that feeds the paranoia. And that, of course, is responded to by the politicians with a doubling down of what's not worked in the first place. Yep. So that's, that's the first driver. The second driver is the lack of any counter-narrative because of systematic intimidation at all levels. Uh, physicians are being intimidated with the threat of losing their license to practice, like myself. Mm. Um, there's intimidation at a political level with um, I gave an interview to a major um, politician in Eastern Canada who was shut, his YouTube channel was shut down. I gave an, an interview to a major investigative journalist in the UK whose living depended upon her YouTube channel and um, that was shut down as well. So you can see what's going on. There, there's a concerted attempt at all levels to suppress any counter narrative to the idiocy that's currently going on. Those are, those are the two main drivers, asymptomatic testing and um, intimidation. I mean, what's the end goal? I mean, if it like, like I look here in the United States, you know, some of the states, they're just locking down over and over and over again. And what's the end goal of this? Does, does a politician really think if they keep doing this and they destroy the livelihoods of people in their states and in their regions that People are going to reward them and say, oh, great, you know, thanks so much. I mean, I, I just don't get it. Well, let me describe how politics works. And I spent a good part of my life in medical politics, um, lobbying for change on tobacco regulations, taxation, education, etc. Very proud of that period in my life. I probably know more about public health um, than most of the people claiming to be in control of the process at the present time. Let me describe how this process started, and I think we can that will help un you understand why it's so difficult to get out of. A, a pair of dirty shoes walked out of a, a lab in Wuhan, China, probably in the fall of last year. A, an epidemic, local epidemic, got started that rapidly became international in nature. There was massive travel between Wuhan and Milan. The cheap labor of the Italian leather industry. Yeah. And Milan happened to have uh, a disproportionate number of really elderly people. The deaths that started happening in Milan came to the attention of a notorious um, individual in Britain. His name is Dr. Neil Ferguson. Oh, uh, yeah, I heard about him. Who plugged the numbers into his absurd modeling scenarios. And by the way, Ferguson is a theoretical physicist, all right? He's nothing to do with medicine or public health at all. Right. But he did have a notorious reputation for being dead wrong on similar issues in the past, but that was ignored. So he started making these absurd projections of Armageddon that hit the media. And as you know, in the media, the media gorges on crises. Mm -hmm. It went international instantly. And so everywhere in the world, within a day or two at the very most, this conversation would have taken place between various presidents, premiers, and their number two uh, medical officers, uh, 
Ministry of Health, whatever, depending on the country you're in. And the conversation would have gone exactly like this. Holy blank. Have you seen those numbers? I want a plan on my desk tomorrow morning that has one singular characteristic. It has to be obvious that I'm doing something. Make it so. End of meeting. And so they came back saluting the next morning, sweating that all they'd been able to find was the usual ridiculous interventions that were well known not to work in previous flu epidemics, namely masks and social distancing and so on. So they implemented all of that. um, And it was within a matter of days internationally that everyone did the same thing, because, of course, the principal reason for doing anything anywhere ever is is simply because everyone else is doing it. No one does the due diligence. They simply copy everyone else. They don't want to be off the curve. That, that's like a big question I have is it doesn't make sense to me. Like, you know, if, if this is a, well, it is a, a multi-trillion dollar self in, self-induced problem. Why wouldn't some country, even to just spite all the other countries say, we're going to allocate a few billion. We're going to test, you know, we're going to test masks. We're going to have people and we're going to ask them to volunteer. We'll pay them a couple thousand. We'll put them together and see if masks work. We're going to try this and that. How come no country has done that? I just, I don't get it. Like, what, well, co- countries, no autonomy, they just copycat and they don't think? Countries have not done it. Uh, the very last thing you want to do as a politician is to fund something that shows you're wrong. That's not how politics works. You're going to lose your shirt at the next election. So politicians go through this hand-wringing with their number twos, and that conversation will go something like this. Oh, tell me, minister, how many angels can dance in a restaurant today? We said 45 yesterday. Should we make it 32 today or perhaps 65? Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. The arbitrary nature of these restrictions is so laughable. It's it's pathetic. But the point is they back themselves into this corner and the number one rule in politics is never apologize. So there are there is evidence out there. The best evidence on masks is called the Danish study, which was showed very clearly that an individual is not likely to be protected from covid by wearing a mask. So if the, the working well, as I call them, are not going to get it. And even if they do get it, it's not going to kill them. It's going to be like the regular flu. Mm -hmm. If if that is the case, the people that are transmitting it should stay at home like we did in previous years. We went to bed. We took chicken noodle soup. We sprinkled it with Tylenol. And we decided, not the government, we decided when we were ready to go back to work. And bingo, life went on. It was called personal responsibility. Well, governments internationally are taking freedoms away from us to make our own decisions. The nanny state is in full power, Mm -hmm. taking control of our freedoms. 
which traditionally we've been able to manage very well. Thank you very much. Right. Well, I mean, so who has the power to do something about this and stop the madness? I mean, it, do countries have, I mean, like, I don't know, Sweden, you know, never locked down. It's just been ignored. Uh, first it was ridiculed and, you know, with, and now it's just been ignored. So, I mean, like, what is the end game here? It's just, just I don't know. Are we just going to help be forever in the grip of, of politicians? Or what do you think is going to happen? Well, the, the, the end game, of course, is going to be attributed to this vaccine. That's going to be the next big issue. Well, it doesn't seem to be. I'm, I'm already hearing, oh, even with the vaccine, you know, you'll have to, uh, you know, still wear masks and all this. It's just, you know, it's like it never ends. It's just like they keep moving the goalposts whenever they feel like it. The first point is there was no need for a mass rushed development of a vaccine. Right. What, happened, what should have happened and is still not happening in a, in a meaningful fashion is what the Great Barrington Declaration described as focused protection, which means you protect the vulnerable. The elderly with multiple comorbidities should be the entire focus of the exercise. So first, first point is this is a, a hoax. It's not, it's nothing close to the Armageddon SARS Ebola scenario. It's nothing worse than a bad seasonal flu for the average person who's well and under age 70. So that there never was a massive need for urgent development of a vaccine. Yeah. What we're seeing now is increasingly, um, Countries uh, such as um, Spain, Brazil, Ireland, thinking of making mandatory vaccination for any travel anywhere to do anything, anything, even to yep. go to work. I've seen it, yeah. yeah. And the point is, this vaccine, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, by the way. I'm, I'm mainstream evidence-based medicine. I believe vaccines have a huge place in, in uh, public health. But this particular vaccine has been rushed to market with a totally new technology that is highly suspicious at this point. The, the old is going to be given, first of all, to a, a group that's already had the focus of the, of the infection, the elderly. They're going to be faced, they're the guinea pigs for determining if any serious complications of vaccination takes place. Now, that may not happen. This, this uh, innovative new messenger RNA type of vaccine may actually be wonderful, may do the trick, but there are all kinds of theoretical reasons why it may backfire. And the backfiring is, isn't always immediately obvious. It can take years for vaccines yeah. to be fully appreciated as to the complications that they cause. Well, so do you think this is overreaction and then just saving face? And that's why the, this death grip just won't be released? Well, I mean, I hope this doesn't happen, but, you know, there have been an awful lot of deaths attributed to COVID. A lot of those were not really due to COVID. They were merely false positives or they were very elderly people that sadly were going to die within a very short period of time anyway. Most people admitted to nursing home die. The average is they're going to die within five months of going to the nursing home. A, a brush with a feather can take you away if you're that if you're that fragile. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. So we're, we're facing a, a future where 
um, vaccination is going to be the next, you know, panacea for politicians and, and very tempting to make it mandatory, um, even though it's so untested. That's a very, that's a very scary scenario. It having is. been so desperately wrong the first place, having created so much um, death and, um, and bankruptcy and all the other terrible suicides, all the other terrible things that have happened with the lockdowns, that may well be followed, and I hope it doesn't. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist or an anti-vaxxer or anything, but I, I do so much hope that this mass introduction of a re relatively untested vaccine does not result in a second pandemic of potential serious complications of those millions of people who are being vaccinated. Well, if that happens, it seems like it'll probably just be covered up and maybe they'll blame it on, uh, on COVID or something else. Well, of course, the, the manufacturers have been given blanket immunity, so, right. so they're not going to be on the hook. But if that horrible complication does happen, and I sincerely hope it doesn't, and I'm not predicting it will, all I am saying is that the complications of that could could totally eclipse any of the scenarios that we're presently experiencing with the virus itself. Oh, well, oh, because it would be real damage to real people. It could be. I mean, what do you think the the fallout could be? What's the potential for it? Well, there are all kinds of, I don't want to get into immunological theory here, but there are all kinds of, of possibilities for um, a person contracting, for example, the cold next year and having a very unusual reaction to the cold because of the way this immune system has been set up to fight COVID. We just don't know. It's far too premature to be sure that there are not going to be serious long-term complications. And for certain, children should never be vaccinated with something that's so uncertain because they have a zero risk of dying. Yes, yeah. I mean, so, you know, you've been around a long time. I mean, you know, this, this response is completely irrational, but what do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's the end of rationality and anything goes from here? Or what do you suspect will happen? Well, there's a growing movement that's taking root it, it's it's not a substantial threat for politicians yet but i i think so many people as we say in britain the penny's starting to drop that this was extreme it was it was not with any evidence-based medicine to introduce it it's created massive destruction at all levels in society and people are just not going to tolerate that every year with another flu or a, another virus that comes along, unless it's very, very serious, like SARS was or Ebola was. Obviously, that's a totally different scenario. But if you're dealing with something that has not changed the total death rate in any country, yeah. anywhere, this is obviously a massive overreaction. And there's going to be a massive resistance to any attempt to continue it or reintroduce it next year. People have been dying of cancer and heart disease and not recognized as such. In, in the stats internationally, heart disease and cancer basically ha hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just, Same thing with yep. Because they're being misclassified as COVID, as particularly in the States where there's a financial incentive to classify an individual as having COVID if, in fact, what they have is chronic renal failure or they've got a gunshot wound. Right. You know, what's weird to me is I remember when they were talking about the WHO and they said, oh, whatever they say goes. 
But then, for instance, when the WHO says lockdowns are no good, they're more harm than good, or when the CDC in the U.S. publishes stats that, you know, the death rate is is minuscule, that's just ignored. It's, you know, they say on one hand, oh, listen to them, and then they, they don't listen to them. It just makes no sense. It's a very difficult situation. I don't know how it's going to end. I think they will be brandishing the vaccine as the cure for it all. Um, lifting these ridiculous restrictions um, progressively, but not immediately. They should all be lifted immediately. There should be no lockdowns of any type anywhere for anything. Schools, restaurants, workplaces, et cetera, et cetera. Well, people seem to be accepting them, like the UK again. This is like the third lockdown. And it's, I don't know. I mean, are pe- when are people going to actually do something? Or are they just going to let themselves be like grounded in the dust? Well, I hope it doesn't become a source of such civil unrest that um you know people take their their rights so seriously that they um they start demonstrating en masse with totally unpredictable outcomes but there's got to be a limit for the average person to keep on sucking this up without reacting in some adverse way they're trying to prevent that of course by threats of imprisonment and fines um some of the consequences are, are so indescribably heinous. Um, I, because of the death threats I've been getting, I had a call from victim services and we had a very nice conversation and it ended up talking about other things. You've been getting, you've been getting death threats. Oh yeah. I've been getting death threats. Yeah. Really? This, this lady that called me said this to me and it's the most awful thing I've ever heard in my entire medical career. She said to me, I was not allowed to enter a nursing home to hold the hand of my dying father. Does it get any worse than that? I mean, in, in analogous ways, if you've had a business for 30 years and you have all these employees and that just gets, you're told you can't operate and you can't make money and you're just going to lose it all. I mean, I'm not saying one's worse than the other, but both are but pretty awful and both have happened. You know, It's been absolute carnage out there. Totally inexcusable. It's lunacy. You know, in medicine, when people act so irrationally, we actually commit them involuntarily to psychiatric institutions. That's that's how mad this is. You know, at the end of the day, it's politics playing medicine. Now, in medicine, there's one general rule. You don't treat the numbers. You treat the patient. If you substitute society for the patient, any medical officer of health or minister of health, you look at where people are actually dying. And you do everything you can to protect them in that environment. For example, giving them all 5,000 international units of vitamin D a day, which has been shown to be incredibly effective at uh, preventing COVID um, infection starting. That's not going yeah. on. That's another question. Why, why are we only told, don't do this and don't do that? How come there's no health authority that says, make sure you get 15 minutes of sun a day? Make sure you supplement with vitamin D. Make sure now, especially, you sleep well and you do this. I mean, it's all negative. None of it's positive. It's just, I don't know. The whole thing is just insane. It's been totally wrongheaded from the get-go. All the focus has been on trying to prevent the spread of something that's already out of the bottle everywhere internationally. The working well do not need protecting. They can protect themselves if they get sick by staying at home. End of story. The entire focus should have been and should still be on protecting those elderly people, immunosuppressed people, 
who can be protected in much more effective ways than is, than is presently happening. Can you continue with what you think the end game is going to be? The, the vaccine is going to be touted. It may or may not be forced. I mean, what else do you do you think lockdowns are just going to keep happening until there's like civil war in different countries? Or what do you think is going to happen from here over this next year? I mean, the last thing that you mentioned, civil unrest, um, could certainly happen. There's a level of frustration building and, and individuals that I'm speaking to from all over the world, like Bulgaria, Colombia, Australia. I mean, they're starting to get the message that this is ridiculous. This is massive overreach with no justification whatsoever. No evidence-based medicine for masks, for social distancing, or for lockdowns. So if this happens again with some, you know, winter flu, um, if there's going to be the starting point of civil unrest, I will predict it's going to be in the States. It's going to be in Texas. It's going, it's going to be somewhere where human rights are considered to be sacrosanct. Yeah. And I, I would hate to see that happen, but it's being politicians are provoking that type of reaction by behaving so stupidly on such a grand scale and to, to rub salt in the wounds. If they start insisting on mandatory vaccination with something that's quite untested, that will merely cube the degree of resistance and potential for civil unrest. I'm certainly not predicting that, and I hope desperately it doesn't happen. But you can push a population just so far without expecting to get a rather radical reaction. Yeah, well, uh, I know you've already answered this in a way, but what's your read? Are you able to get your feeling of the pulse of what's going on in Canada only or the whole world? Like, and what's your read now? You know, it's January 2021. Like, how frustrated are people depending on the country and the area? Or is it, do we still have a long way to go before people really like enough of them say I've had enough? Well, when are people going to start looking at Florida? You know, you don't wear masks there. You can eat in restaurants. Things are relatively open. You know, that should be a model for everywhere. Um, you know, Sweden was very bold. They recovered much faster. Their economies recovered much faster for obvious reasons because they never were shut down. Um, there are lots of examples internationally of places that have gone the opposite direction. Um, in, in Florida, of course, thank, rather late in the game. But at least uh, DeSantis realized, um, you know, that the gig was up on all these measures that are not working. And he boldly took the opposite direction. I mean, there are, there are a number of examples internationally, but the, the principal operating mode for politics is to follow the herd. It's safe. So everyone is copying everyone else and going through these arbitrary, as I said, um, discussions as to how to how to lift the lockdown here or modify it there or these ridiculous arbitrary discussions and changes that are going on. Well, I mean, as an individual person listening to this, for instance, do you have any recommendations for them? Can they do anything? Do they just sit and wait and hope that you know, things will get better? Or like, what do they do? Well, as much as possible within the limits of losing your livelihood, people need to, first of all, stand up and be counted to question everything that's going on using whatever's out there. Certainly, um, you know, there are sources that are not being censored still. Um, where you can find um, information of the type I was discussing. So that's the first point. People need to stand up and be counted. 
the second thing is very personal. Um, everyone should be taking at least 5,000 international units of vitamin D every day and probably 50 milligrams of zinc. Uh, totally safe. It's not homeopathic quackery. It has enormous evidence base uh, support. And if anyone's interested in that, visit the blog of someone in Britain called Dr. David Grimes, G-R-I-M-E-S. He's okay. written prolific, prolifically on vitamin D, very mainstream senior gastroenterologist uh, being ignored by the British government. Those are the, only, those are the best measures. Um, otherwise, go about life as normal. Um, try to avoid masks as much as you can. I'm not advocating people go out there and get arrested and by the jackbooted thugs that are just lusting to arrest people for the most trivial infractions. But try not to comply as much as possible. Stand up and be counted. Talk about it. Create your own movement. Sign on to the Great Barrington Declaration, which is the main source of information for mainstream medicine, accepting signatures from the lay public as well as physicians. Th those are the principal things. And, and object to any, any concept, even trial balloons, of mandatory vaccination. To me, that would be one of the most outrageous intrusions of personal liberty. I appreciate what you're saying. Is there anyone you know that's powerful enough, whatever that means, to uh, to kind of put a stop to this, or it's just going to take the voices of you know hundreds of thousands or millions of people to stop this? What do you think? What do you think it's going to take? I think it's going to have to wind down. There is no organization that's sufficiently powerful enough to take on these idiotic government interventions. Even the legal process takes time. It drags through the courts. The processes that are underway in Canada on, along those lines probably won't see court until the summer, by which time a lot of this will be over until the uncertainty of next winter. Um, the legal process is not effective. The, the political process is being drowned out by censorship from big tech who's using its jackboots to silence uh, any counter-narrative, viciously so, and most efficiently so, internationally. I've seen that personally at, at uh, close quarters. So it's going to have to play itself out. There is no effective means of countering it other than civil disobedience on a mass scale. I hope that doesn't happen. But politicians are encouraging that by being such idiots imposing this this process on the general population with serious loss of incomes, weddings, funerals, graduations, delayed cancer surgery, heart transplants not happening, and, and so on and so on and so on. The carnage is ridiculous, utterly ridiculous and absolutely outrageous. The first, the first thing in medicine, of course, is to, to observe is the Hippocratic oath, first to do no harm. First, do no harm. Before you even think of treating someone for anything, just make sure it's not worse than the disease itself. Well, that's gone out of the window. These medical officers of health should be sued for criminal negligence, if not medical negligence, for what they're doing to everyone internationally. You don't have to answer them if you don't want to, but when did you start getting threats? When did you start having a problem? And what was the colleagues uh, emailing you or calling you and telling you you're you know, be quiet and stop it? Or like, how did the, how did your personal issues with this start? 
Well, the threats were two levels. Um, the death threats came within two days of that viral clip going international. Professional threat uh, was somewhat delayed by a couple of weeks in which you get what we call in the profession, the letter. <laughs> we get the letter. Have I got your attention yet, Dr. Hodkinson? Those, that intimidation is rampant. Physicians are the best people to stand up and be counted, but they're being intimidated into silence by their medical colleges and by their employers. They're afraid to stand up, even though they know what's going on is absolutely loony. Is there any number of physicians that could do anything? Or, I mean, that's why I, I, I started to keep asking you the same thing, but I just keep wondering, like, what is it going to well, take? No one's taking notice of the 40,000 physicians that have already signed, physicians and medical scientists, 40 or 50,000, it's growing all the time, have signed the Great Barrington Declaration which basically is do nothing except protect the vulnerable. Mm. We've got 50,000 signatures on that. And whenever you mention it, it's just dismissed as irrelevant. Where, where is the, the, the Great Declaration gone? Has it been mailed to politicians? Has it, like, oh, how has it been used? Oh, yes, they're all aware of it um, in spades. I mean, it, there's no ignorance of, the, of its existence. It's because they've backed themselves into this corner. They've created such carnage that they cannot stand up now and say, I was wrong. They cannot do that. They've been trained not to do that. That's the very nature of politics. Never, ever say you were wrong. Wring your hands, pass it out, kick the can down the road, fire a few people, whatever, 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 but never say you were wrong. Do they That's have to the say they're wrong or, or why couldn't they say instead, you know, um, it appears with the new data that, you know, what the best thing to do now is loosen the restrictions or stop them or something. You know, why can't they do that? Obviously, they should. They think they're next on the line. There are brave people like um, DeSantis in Florida and, and, and others across the states who have um, chosen a different path. Why in God's name people aren't copying Florida? I don't know. You know, the evidence is there in spades in so many areas, like schools, for example. Kids are, kids are not spreaders. Kids don't die. Schools should never have been closed. The only reason schools are closed is one particular reason. The teachers' unions are looking yeah. forward to some time off. <laughs> That's the only reason. The teachers' unions' muscle is at work here to the detriment of our kids. And it's, it's tragic. When you said you got death threats, did people say, like, I'm going to kill you? Or they said, wait, I hope you die? Or, like, what happened? Yeah, um, he'll be suicided. Not direct, I am coming to kill you, where do you live, right? We have taken precautions. We live remotely. And other precautions have been taken. But, uh, no, they, they were, although it was identifiable, they didn't want to be accused of a death threat. It was, um, it was intentionally obscure so that... Um, I've got your attention, you know, you're at risk, but not to the extent that I can be charged with a death threat. Hmm. And did you know any of the people that made these threats or are they like, you know, random, supposedly random people? I don't know where they came from, whether it was international or Canada. I, I, I really don't know. I gave all the account names to the police to follow through and um, uh, to check on who these people were, perhaps to call them and, and get hold of them. 
by their own means, but I never heard back from the police as to what, what actually came out of it. I know exactly how everyone thinks and operates. It's, it's actually pathetic. As I said before, the reason it's, got, it's happening is because everyone else is doing it. Therefore, it's got to be right. I don't know. What, what do you expect to see, like, literally this year, 2021, you know, over the next X number of months? Well, I, you know, the most optimistic outcome is, you know, there are already signs in the Northern Hemisphere that the, the so-called positive cases are, are dropping off. The vast majority of those, of course, are false positives in the first place. But, um, you know, that will, with the season ending, this is a seasonal thing, cold weather and so on. Um, that will die off naturally without any, any, not because of any interventions that have taken place. It will be dying off naturally. The vulnerable will be dying off naturally, as they always do. And we'll be into a summer of uh, relative peace when they'll be banging the vaccine drum mercilessly in order to prevent a recurrence in the fall of 2021. Um, in the meantime, the only glimmer of hope is that there will be sufficiently solid um, scientific studies that show the true prevalence of the infection um, the, the true inadequacy of any of the measures that are being undertaken. Um, in other words, you know, a consensus with evidence-based um, epidemiologists, scientists of various kinds, a consensus that nothing worked is going, is going to happen. Um, it will be published. In, an incredible number of books will be written about the stupidity. Um, but that kind of evidence is perhaps the best hope that that will um, knock a few politicians heads against the concrete to make them say, see sense. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the call. Um, any, uh, I don't know, non-advice advice for people or, you know, I guess you gave it earlier or, or any closing remarks. Stand up and be counted. Talk about it. Research it. Make your feelings known. Object wherever you can at a societal level. And look after yourself. Do take vitamin D, 5,000 international units, 50 milligrams of zinc. Dirt cheap, totally safe, and proven to be quite effective. Very good. Well, Roger, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, and thank you for spreading the word. Really appreciate it. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.